Hello, and welcome to the City Grace Podcast. We're so happy you've decided to join us today as we learn how amazing it is to follow Jesus. Enjoy the message. It is an honor to be with you. If you would stand with me today, we're reading from Hebrews chapter 6. Honor to be with you again. As uh, was stated, we were here a few weeks ago and had such a great time with you on a Wednesday night. And uh, we honor your pastor and his wife, honor Bishop Alvarez and his wife as well, and love them. Amen. And uh, I guess uh, we were here uh, a few weeks ago and and, and went well. Uh, Maybe that was beginner's luck, or maybe we can do something again today, amen, to to bless you. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13 reading in the New Living Translation, the writer of Hebrews, whoever that might be, said, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham, and since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. You know, we talk about the laws of God, and when we talk about the laws of God we, we immediately go to, well, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. We think of all the, the Ten Commandments, the laws thou shalt not. But there are many laws of God when he says, I will. This is also a law of God. It's, it's, a, it's a promise, but, it, but it's a law because it is something that when God promises it, it is set in stone. And so he told Abraham, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised now, when people take a note, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that uh, those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. And therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Amen. Romans 8 and 31 simply says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I want to talk to you from this scripture reading today from Hebrews. There is no greater. There is no greater. Amen. Why don't you lift your hands and ask God to speak to us this morning. We love you, Jesus. We praise your name. We magnify you in this house. We thank you for your word and for your promises that we have today. Let us hold to them. Let us hold tightly to them today. Hallelujah. Let us act upon them today with the power that rests in us by your spirit in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you the honor, the honor, the glory, the power. Hallelujah. You are worthy of all of it today. And we lift up your name in the name of Jesus. Why don't you clap your hands one more time? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, you can be seated this morning. Thank you so much for standing. As is my custom, I always like to put on my timer and make sure I don't go over an hour and 20 minutes so you don't miss the buffet. <laughs> praise God. Genesis 22 and 16, writer said, and said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, 
thine only son. This is the scripture text that the writer of Hebrews is pulling from when God spoke to Abraham and he swore by himself. You know the meaning of an oath. You understand how it works in the courts. They ask you when you go to testify as a witness, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And uh, I think most of the time it's, it's everything but the truth. Um, and you know how that works. But, and so many times in the swearing in, maybe uh, a, a cop is being sworn in, uh, a president, so on and so forth. And they will end with these words, so help me God. In another time, in another place, arguments and disagreements used to be settled on an oath. It was taken extremely serious. And they always swore by one that was greater to give accountability and reverence to it. That is the reason people place their hands on the Bible when they are sworn in. And in this setting, God is wanting Abraham to know how serious he is in his promise to him. And so he swore by himself because there was no one greater above him. He was reminding Abraham that there was no God above himself. He, was, he would keep his word and he was not going to fail. In Exodus chapter 32, the Bible says, And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed and they shall inherit it forever." Moses was saying, you've got to remember the oath that you made. You've got to remember the promise you made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, my forefathers. You've got to remember that you, you, you gave this promise to them that you would multiply their descendants as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. You've got to remember this. Moses was reminding God because he had given this promise and he had swore by himself. I want to come to you today, and I felt in my spirit to come to you, remind you that our God is greater than any other God today. Hallelujah. He is stronger than any, any problem or any situation or any strength of this earthly realm. Hallelujah. Amen. There, there are places that God wants us to go, wants to take us to, and there are things that God wants us to experience, but sometimes we have to come back to our foundation. Of course, our foundation is our doctrine and what we believe, but it's not just what we believe that the Bible says. We've got to believe that the God of the Bible is still willing to do it in our life. We still have to believe that God is greater, and we have to regain our footing in our faith in a God that loves us in our faith, our faith in a God that cares for us and that he truly is greater. Now, I think I had mentioned this word before. I don't recollect uh, strongly, but uh, since I've slept since then, but this word, it's, it's English 101 and, and don't, 
don't get me wrong, I'm not an English uh, professor of any kind. I struggled through English, and I just barely made it through. But this word, uh, the superlative of, of our context that we have today, superlative, this word simply means it's the greatest form of an adjective or an adverb. A superlative is you take a word and you add EST to it, and it makes it the best. You, you add EST to fast, and it's the fastest. There's nobody faster than you. And we have uh, all these records in the Guinness Book of World Records because these people are the superlatives of what they do, if you would. And so it's not just better, but it is the best. In other words, it's final. It's settled. Period. There's no more discussion. It is the top. Amen. And so we look at the Bible. We look at the things that God has given to us, and we find many superlatives. We know that the Word of God is a superlative because Psalms 118 and 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. In other words, it's final. Amen. There's nothing above it. In fact, he said, my word is, is above my name. Amen. Luke 21 and 33 says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Every single promise found in the Bible is for us today. Now, now, everything that we believe about creation, everything we know about God and his plan for man is found in his word. And we look to his word for all these things and all the answers to our questions. And you know, we don't have a hard time believing that God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1 and 1. We don't have a hard time believing that God created everything around us and even sometimes that God loves us. We don't have a hard time believing many things of the Bible, but yet the same Bible gives us promises that he gives us peace that passes understanding and he said he will keep you and he will guide you amen he will take you to a place you've never been before he will bring you up out of the miry clay as David said but yet we have a hard time believing these promises because we have to believe them for ourselves you know what I'm talking about. It's easy to pray for somebody else in their situation. It's easy to pray and say, God touched them, and we believe God's going to touch them. But see, we look through everything, and we pray through the filter of our own past. We pray through the filter of what we've done and, and the places we've been and the things, amen, that we've said. And so we say, God, I know you're able, and I know you want to, but, but I'm not sure if you, you really will. Because of the filter of my past, because what I'm looking through and, and what I've done. And, and so it's hard to believe God for ourselves. But the Bible is a superlative. It's the greatest word on the face of the earth. You can take it. You can pray it. Amen. You can believe it and it will come to pass. You can speak it and things happen. Hallelujah. Amen. You can put it into your lives. You can assimilate into your walk with God and it makes all the difference in the world. We have to have the word of God. We know the name of Jesus, of course, is a superlative. Philippians 2 and 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven of things in earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father that's why baptism in Jesus name is so powerful because it is the highest name it is the only name amen Acts 2 or Acts 4 12 said it is the only saving name amen we've got to have the name of Jesus in our life and it makes us a part of the family of God amen can you lift up the name of Jesus right now. It is a name above every name. Jesus, we praise you and we lift up your name. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Ephesians 3 and 19 is to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. His love is a superlative. There is no greater love than the love of God. In fact, the Bible says there, there hath, uh, there's no greater love hath a man than he would lay down his life for a friend. First Peter 1 and 8, whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. We've got to have the joy of God in our lives because the Bible says it is our strength. And so the joy of the Lord is a superlative. There's no greater joy than the joy, amen, of the Spirit. Philippians 4 and 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I'm glad for the peace of God. When we are going through the darkest times in our life, there is no greater peace than the peace of God, because the peace of God will keep you. Amen. As we used to sing a long time ago, amen, he is the peace speaker. He is the one that will step into the storm, and he will calm the storm. But even when he doesn't calm the storm, he will calm you, because he is the peace speaker. Romans 5.20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. There is no greater grace than the grace of my God. I don't care how deep you've gone, how far you've gone, the grace of God can go further because where sin was great, grace was greater. Hallelujah. You can't find any grace greater than the grace of God. And all of these things point simply to Jesus Christ. There are many arguments in our day about who is the greatest in many different areas. Certainly one of the latest arguments is who is the greatest basketball player? (laughs) All right, we found him. We've been looking, amen. I'm going to contact the Associated Press right after service. Everybody's saying Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. It's argument in social media. Who is the greatest? What measure are we measuring by? We say, who is the greatest? Well, we read in Matthew 23, the Bible says, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. This was Jesus speaking here in the book of Matthew. And right after he spoke these words, it was Jesus that got down on his knees and washed the feet of his disciples. (laughs) Hallelujah. He was saying, I'm the greatest among you. In fact, he told the Pharisees once that one greater than Jonas, or Jonah was in their midst. Another time he said, one greater than Solomon is among you. In Matthew 28 and 18 Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Hallelujah. All power. Now, when we talk about greater, this is also a math equation. You take that arrow, and, and now we got in English, now we got in math. And I know school is over, and we're in summer, and, and so the kids aren't in here, so they, they don't have to cringe. But this is also a math thing. When you put that sign there, it's greater. And... And, and this is just an aside here, but Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. And that's why there's only one person in the Godhead, and that's in the face of Jesus Christ. Because if all power is given to Jesus, amen, then, then the Father and the Son, if they're two separate persons in the Godhead, then, then where is their power? 
But we know that there's only one person in the Godhead. That's in the face of Jesus Christ. He is the express image of God. And all power is given unto him. So when we call the name of Jesus, amen, we're also calling on the Father. And we're also calling, amen, on the Holy Spirit to come and, and, and help us and rescue us and save us in our lives. I love 2 Chronicles 2 and 5. It says, And the house which I build is great, for great is our God above all gods in this place here in the Old Testament. They got a revelation that our God is great above all gods. So many times they turn to the gods of the Philistines and the gods of all these other uh, people, but, but they understood in their times when they really needed him, God showed up. Amen. When all the other gods were dead, God was the one that really showed up and rescued them and helped them. I'm going to tell you today, if you've been looking to a lot of other people and a lot of other things to save you today, you need to look to Jesus Christ because he is the God above all gods this morning. He's not just better. He's the greatest. But here's the thing. We settle so many times and we're content to be cheated because we settle for second best. Because as we think and as we, as we go in life, our struggle is that we want the best, but we want to manufacture it ourselves. You look at the Tower of Babel. They were trying to get in the heavens. Scholars say they were possibly building a tower in case there was another flood. They would have a place to run to. They were trying to save themselves. The highest tower in the land. They were getting closer to God, maybe in their mind. But they didn't have to build a tower to get close to God. All they had to do was pray. But they were motivated by their flesh instead of a love for God. In fact, history tells us that this is where astrology originated from. So instead of looking to the one who created the stars, they began looking to the stars for their answers. Romans 1.25 says they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. People want a form of God. They want heaven. They want eternal life. They want the peace of God, but they don't always want God. And so they try to manufacture all that he has to offer. I read uh, about a year ago or so, and I was going to look up the article, and I, I forgot, but I read about the, this atheist group, if I remember correctly, how it was, they, they began to come together and gather, and, and they were calling it Atheist Church. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, and it, and it, and it is in a way, but they were recognizing and talking about the, the benefit of coming together for a common cause and meeting on a regular basis. They wanted all the, the benefits of coming together, but they don't want to believe in the God that brought us together and that created us. Let me tell you, we didn't just come here to look good today. I don't know if I'm doing that good of a job in that department, but hey, we didn't just come here uh, to, to, to look good and to just have good service and have a good feeling and punch in the time clock that we came and we were here for you, God. But let me tell you, we came here today because we need, amen, Jesus Christ, and we need each other. We need something greater than ourselves that we 
we could not create ourselves. Amen. The Bible says that, and, and that if, if you, he will exalt you. And, and, and that, that, uh, if, you, if you lift up yourself, amen, anything can tear you down. But, but if you put yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time. In other words, if you build something, anybody can tear it down. But if God lifts it up, if God builds it in your life, nobody can tear it down. And so here's the deal. People begin to live in this virtual, virtual reality, uh, spirituality, if you would. They, you know, virtual reality is, is this amazing thing because you can go in the arcades and they, they have uh, high-tech things now in the virtual reality. You can go in and you can, uh, you, can, you can be just like Tiger Woods. And you can even do this on your phone. I mean, I think these guys golf over here. I've been golfing like four times in my life and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> I had the highest score, so I guess I won, but... <clears throat> You can go in and you can be Tiger Woods. I mean, you can hit that drive 350 yards if you, if you hit the buttons just right, if you swing just right in a virtual. But you're not Tiger Woods. You can be Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. I mean, whoever your star is, you can go on that, that, that computer, that, that, that game. But you know what? It's not the same because you haven't paid the price. You haven't practiced. You haven't sweated and got up at 4.30 in the morning and ran drills. You haven't toiled to get where they are. You have an image, but you don't have substance, and you certainly don't have the paycheck. You know, the quality of the product is usually determined by how much you're willing to pay for it. A lot of people are hawking their uh, cheap religious trinkets. But let me tell you today, I want the real deal. I don't want virtual reality church. I, I, I don't want virtual reality power. Amen. Because in just a little bit, I have to step out into a real world. And so I need a real God and a real power. I have to face a real enemy. And so I, go, I want God to arise and let my enemies be scattered. Hallelujah. I need God to be real in my life. Abraham and Hagar manufactured the blessing of God. When Abraham took Hagar to, to bear a son, when it should have been Sarah, he didn't wait on God. Even though as we started this sermon, we talked about God swearing to Abraham and he, he could swear and find no greater. So he swore by himself, but Abraham still did not have the patience. And so we now have Ishmael, the son of Hagar. The Islamic belief today is a result of impatience on Abraham's part to try and do something in God's stead. My pastor has said many times, and maybe you've heard him, I know uh, Bishop Mullins has been here a number of times, but he said, you know, there's two things you need to know about God. Number one, there's only one. Amen. And number two, I'm not him. <laughs> I can't do what God does. I can't heal anybody. I can't save you today. Amen. I can't do the things. I can't heal you today, but I can introduce you to a God who can save. I can introduce you to a God who can heal. I can introduce you today to a God who delivers today by his mighty hand because there is no one greater than him. <laughs> the magicians of Egypt, they had a little power. Of course, it was demonic, but they had a little power. And the Bible talks about how Moses came in and stood before Pharaoh. And there was a few miracles that were performed there. They, Moses threw down a staff and it turned into a serpent. The magicians turned, uh, threw down their staffs and they turned into servants or snakes, serpents. But Moses ate the ones. God will always one-up everybody else. 
he did a few miracles, and the magicians, magicians did a little bit too. And then finally God did a miracle, and the magicians could not match him. You can't keep up with God. Why try? Why try to do the things that only God can do? The greatest, the greatest challenge that we have in following him is knowing where I am and where God begins. Most of the time, we're trying to do God's job, and we expect God to do our job. Amen. We get it flipped around, but I've got to do the things. Amen. And the thing that I can do is trust him. It's follow him. It's seek him. Amen. He said, if I will seek him with my whole heart, I will find him. And certainly Hebrews 11 gives us, amen, the keys. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. But we must believe, amen, we must, when we come to God, believe that he is. And he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If I will seek him, amen, I will receive the reward of my prayers. And so they were able to imitate a few of the miracles of God, but... They were never able to stop what God was doing or do away with God's miracles because you cannot stop God. When God wants to do something, amen, you better not get in his way, amen. You better not get in the way of God because God is going to do what God wants to do. And so we have to get over ourselves. We have to get past our, our place of settling, content to be cheated, settling for second best. So many times we don't even understand ourselves. We don't understand why we do things. And, and this is truly related an example of our kids because we could tell our kids, don't drink that drink. And we turn around 30 seconds later and they're drinking our drink. And we say, why did you do that? Well, I don't know. That's kids. All, that's their answer for it. Why did you do I don't know. I feel like God feels this way sometimes. Why did you do that? I, I don't know. Why? I said, if you'll do this, this will work out. And you went over here and you did this. Why do you, I don't know, God. I just, we don't understand ourselves half the time. That's why the Bible says you can't trust your heart because it's deceitful and desperately wicked. And who can know it? You better trust the heart of God. Where do you find the heart of God? It's in the word of God. It's in the man of God that would deliver something to you today. Amen. And God's saying, why don't you trust me? And we say, I don't know. But you've got to trust him. You've got to seek him. Because there is no one greater. Hallelujah. God has been there. He has done that. He has experienced all that you are experiencing in the flesh. He was in all points tempted. But he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. That's why we can get excited about Jesus today. That's why we can jump and shout, Brother Dustin, as we worship, because he is the greatest. We don't look to anybody else. Amen. We can't settle for second best. We need Jesus Christ. Amen. And even if it's in him crucified, if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him, the Bible says. Hallelujah. I'm circling in for a landing. I told brother over here, brother Alvarez, I call him by his last name, <laughs> Lacey's husband, <laughs> Jason, <laughs> I just turned 39, it must be a sign, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't circle around, I come straight in for a landing, <laughs> so I'll be quick here, but Genesis 1 and 16, the Bible says, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. We know that as the sun and the moon. And he made the stars also. It's like an afterthought. 
It's like, oh, yeah, he, he also made the stars. <laughs> I think the writer understood something here. See, according to Wikipedia, astronomers count, classify stars by temperature, size, age, location, multiplicity, <clears throat> and all these things. And they estimate that there are 300 billion stars in our own Milky Way, and at least 76 trillion, that's seven times 1,022 stars in the known universe. <clears throat> Sorry, I actually said that wrong. 76 trillion is, is 70, and you add a lot of zeros, and I'm not going to count them right now. <laughs> In other words, it's 230 billion times as many as the stars in our own galaxy. The sun is the biggest and nearest star to Earth, nearest star to the Earth, apart from the sun, Proxima Centauri, 39.9 trillion kilometers. In other words, it takes Proxima Centauri's light 4.2 years to reach Earth. Traveling the orbit speed of the space shuttle at five miles per second or almost 30,000 kilometers per hour, it would take 150,000 years for the light of our nearest star to get here. Stars range in size from the tiny neutron stars. These are dead stars, no bigger than a city. Supergiants like the North Star, which is Polaris, other stars that I can't pronounce. <laughs> These have a diameter of thousand times larger than the sun about 1.6 billion kilometers <clears throat> and he made the stars also oh yeah we need some stars over here <laughs> put the sun and the moon and we create all these things for mankind that I'm about to create because God love is, God's love is so great that his love could not be fulfilled in loving himself. He had to create you, and so he made you. And he said, oh, yeah, let's, let's put some stars over here as well. And let's put some constellations in the sky. Let's, let's put the North Star over here. It doesn't move. The people will be able to uh, guide themselves. And, guide. and he put all, and it was just a thought. And we think he can't take care of us. And we believe that he really doesn't think about us. But David told us he is always thinking about us. He said that in Psalms 139, that if his thoughts could be numbered, they would be, the sum of them would be more than the sands of the sea. He's, he's always thinking about you. Musicians, please come. And the thing is, if he is the greatest and if he is the best, then he knows what's best for you. He is not just a God that's sitting on a, on a pious throne somewhere waiting for you to make a mistake. This is so many's uh, view of God. He's just waiting to put his thumb on you when you make a left turn when you're supposed to make a right. And, and, and it, just this God of judgment. And, 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 but God is for you, the Bible says, as we read in our text. He is not against you. He is, he is wanting to. And I, I kind of got this little vision. I'm not going to say it's an official vision. But I, I, when I was praying last night, I, 
God is, every time that we begin to get ready for service, God's always, always ready. Sunday's coming around and we're, you know, at 9.30. Oh, yeah, it's church and get thing and get to church. And God's ready for you to come. God's always ready for you to be here. And he is always ready to bless you. He is ready to pour things into you because his love is not something that he does. It's something that he is. It's his nature. He didn't wake up this morning and decide to love you. He is love. Hallelujah. And so God is God has a desire for you. He, he's wanting to bless you. He's wanting to help you. He's wanting to pour into your spirits. And we have all these things. And I know that, that, that God's love language is obedience because he said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. But let me tell you today, you can't love God until you let him love you. Romans 8, as we stand this morning, Romans 8 says that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And we think that we're great and we're something special if, we, if we've managed to love God a little bit and get to church and all this. And Lord, if I can just love you enough, you'll love me in return. No, that's natural love. That's how we love. We have all these strings attached. We have all these things and conditions. God says, no, you can't love me unless you let me love you. God loves you today, but you have to be able to receive his love. Uh, Zephaniah, if I have the, 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 the book right, Zephaniah, Zechariah 30 said that he loved us with an everlasting love. It's a love that never ends. And I don't know what that means. If we don't make it to heaven, he still loves you, I guess. Everlasting is forever. But see, we have to be in a place where we can receive the love of God, where we can be touched, where we can, can be changed by the love of God, where something happens in us, where we open our spirits. God will not force his way into your life. You have to open. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, let him open the door. I'll, I'll come in and have supper with him. Amen. Hey, he's, he's knocking today. He said, if you'll let me in, I'll come in and I'll help you and I'll strengthen you. Don't settle, amen, for second best. Don't settle for some salesman at the door that says, I can help you with this and with that let me tell you today you need Jesus until you have Jesus nothing else matters today society is trying to get rid of him amen they tried to when he walked the earth at first they tried to ignore him and they said he was just a man but he would not be ignored he will not be ignored today Jeremiah 23 says can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him saith the Lord do not I feel heaven and earth Scientists say the universe is expanding. Let me tell you, my God feel, feels all of it and more. And every one of us needs something greater than ourselves. If we could do it by ourselves, we wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't have brought your kids today. You wouldn't have said, you know, honey, let's go to church today. We need Jesus. If we could have settled it, if we could have figured it out, if we could have healed ourselves, if we could have saved ourselves, we would not be here at City Grace today. But we are so independent. Independence Day, July 4th. Our Declaration of Independence, so much could be said there. And sometimes on holidays, I like to preach these theme, theme messages and I just don't feel that today, but I will say this today. Sometimes we need to have a declaration of dependence. We've got to depend on God today. We just can't do it by ourselves. Hey, man, I was working with a guy on the roof. I'll tell you the story and I'll be done. I used to work my following a little bit on roofing, and it was just when I was slow in my work. Thank God for delivering some roofing. If you're a roofer today, 
God bless you. You're awesome. And this guy was giving me a hard time. He wasn't mean or anything. He just said, oh, look at Andy. He goes to church because he's perfect. I stood up. I said, man, you don't even get it. There was like 15 guys right there. I said, if I was perfect, I wouldn't have to go to church. I said, I go to church because I'm not perfect. I go there because I don't have it together. I don't have all my ducks in a row. I, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I need a savior. I need a healer. I need a deliverer today. I need Jesus. He is the greatest. There is no one like my God. There is no body greater. He looked through the heavens. He said, Abraham, I want you to know how much I'm serious about my promise to you. It will come to pass, Abraham. Hey, man, I know that your wife will be 90, but I'm not going to tell you that. It's going to come to pass, though. And I want you to know how serious I am about it. And he looked around heaven. He looked around the earth. He looked around through all the universe. And he couldn't find anybody greater. So he said, I swear by myself. For more information about City Grace, you can find us online at citygrace.church. We'll see you next week.